Well, this morning we are uh, we're actually going to do something a little bit different. If you've been with us uh, over a period of time, you know we've uh, been systematically making our way through the Gospel of Luke, and uh, we have a, a kind of um, an impromptu planned hiatus for a little while. We're going to have just a little bit of a, a mini-series, if you will, on the subject of discipleship and what it means to be a disciple. Now, as, as we've gone through the Gospel of Luke, Luke chapter 9 especially just lends itself to this so much because we see Jesus sending out the disciples, them coming back with a report of what they've done after spending the time with Him. And, and we see Jesus investing so much into His disciples. We see their successes, we see their failures, and we begin to get just a little glimpse of what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. The, the title this morning is Radically Ordinary. Kind of the title for this morning and the title for the overall series together. Radically Ordinary. And we've titled it this because honestly, to see an ordinary Christian by the standards of the New Testament, to us today, it would look radical, I believe. I believe it would really look radical if we saw someone living by the standards of discipleship that we see within the New Testament. So today we kind of begin this, a sermon very different from most of the sermons that I preach. We're, we're not going to have a main text today. We're going to kind of introduce the subject a little bit and then from this jump off into the next several weeks on what it is a disciple is. What, what is a disciple? What does a disciple do? What is discipleship? How do we make disciples? We often use the word to refer to one another within the body of believers, we will often use the term Christian. I am a Christian. He is a Christian. It's a good term. It's a biblical term. We find the term in the New Testament. We find it three times in the New Testament. In fact, the first time we find it is in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 16. In 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 16, Peter writes, Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in that name. Now Peter is writing this letter on the eve of Nero's persecution of Christians. And the term Christian here, Peter says, is to be used as a badge of honor. Don't be embarrassed by the name Christian. It is intimately bound up within the name of Jesus himself. He is known as Jesus Christ. It is the word that means Messiah, the anointed one, the Savior. And he says here in 1 Peter to glorify God through that name. When persecution comes, Peter is saying, don't shrink away from the name Christian. Stand boldly in the name of Christ as a Christian, a believer, a follower of Christ. A second time that we find this word Christian is in Acts chapter 26, where we find Paul before King Agrippa, and he's on trial here, and King Agrippa is hearing Paul recount his testimony and recounting the power of Jesus Christ in his death, burial, and resurrection. And Agrippa said to Paul, Acts 26, 28, in a short time would you persuade me to be a Christian? 
Now, obviously, the word had widespread use. King Agrippa was familiar with it. He uses the word. Paul doesn't contest it. He doesn't correct it. He doesn't say, no, don't use the word Christian. Use this instead. That's a word that that was recognized and used as an identifier of those who belong to Jesus. The third time that we find it, and this is where I want us to hone in on this morning, the third time we find the word is in Acts chapter 11. So out of the three times we find the word Christian used, two of them are in the book of Acts, and one of them is in the book of 1 Peter. And in Acts chapter 11, verse 26, we read this, And in Antioch the disciples were first called Christians. It was a term of derision, to be honest with you. This is the first time chronologically that the word is used that we find in Scripture. The first time through the history of the church we find it is here in Acts chapter 11, verse 26. And you find the disciples were first called Christians here in Antioch. It was a term of derision. The word literally means little Christ. So they would look at these people and they say, oh, they're just little Christ. They're just trying to be like Christ. And the church said, oh, I like that. You meant it for bad, but I really like that. That is what we want to be. And so the term came to be used in popular nomenclature. But I want you to notice what we find here in this verse. And in Antioch, the disciples were first called Christians. The word Christian is synonymous with the word disciple. A true Christian is understood to be a disciple of Jesus. There is no difference between the two. Now, I've been around some people before in some churches, and especially in some um, uh, alternate organizations, Christian organizations of some sort, you kind of get the impression that a disciple is thought of to be a Christian who's gone on to make a higher level of commitment or something. You're a Christian, that's step one, And then step two is for you to be a disciple. And then step three is for you to be a disciple maker. But that's that's foreign to the New Testament. That's completely foreign. It's false according to the Scripture. According to the New Testament, a disciple is a Christian. The two words are used synonymous. A, A Christian is a disciple and a disciple is a Christian. So who is a disciple? Christians. Are you a Christian? If you are a Christian, you are a disciple. If you are a disciple, you are a Christian. Now I want you to get this, okay, because this is very important to us. Because we we have this notion sometimes that a disciple is a second stage Christian. That a disciple is someone who's really spiritually mature and has grown up and is now kind of above everybody else as a Christian. That's not true according to Scripture. According to Scripture, if you are a Christian, you are a disciple. And here's what's really interesting. That word Christian, I told you, is used three times in the New Testament, two times in Acts, one time in 1 Peter. The word disciple. How many times the word disciple is used? 269 times is the word disciple used in the New Testament. All of them in the Gospels and Acts. Where we discover the life of Jesus, His teachings, and the growth of the church. So here's what's interesting. Before we were ever called Christians, 
We were called disciples. Now see, that's of interest to me because we equate Christian to so many things. Are you a Christian? Well, of course I'm a Christian. I went to the Baptist church when I was growing up. Are you a Christian? Of course I'm a Christian. I'm an American. You know how many people around the world equate America with Christians? Because we've done that lots of times. Of course I'm a Christian. Grandpa was a preacher. Of course I'm a Christian. Dad was a deacon. Of course I'm a Christian. Mom taught Sunday school. Of course I'm a Christian. I was baptized. Of course I'm a Christian. I'm a member at this church. But when we phrase the question this way, are you a disciple? seems deeper to us, doesn't it? It's a whole other arena to us. It shouldn't be, but it is. What's a disciple? The Greek word is mathetes. At its most basic meaning, a disciple is a learner. A disciple is a student. A disciple is a follower. But it's so much deeper than just that. Because you see, a a disciple doesn't simply study what the teacher says. A disciple seeks to emulate what the teacher says and what the teacher does. A disciple wants to be like the teacher. A disciple wants to think like the teacher. A disciple wants to behave like the teacher. And I want to do something. We're we're still in the introduction here, okay? So just bear with me, all right? But this, this morning, in the introduction, I want to give you just very, very briefly three things that a disciple does, all right? By way of introduction here, three things that a disciple does. And we're going to go through them pretty quickly. First of all, a disciple listens to Jesus. A disciple listens to Jesus. You cannot be a disciple of a teacher unless you listen to the teacher. You can't. You cannot be a disciple of the teacher unless you listen to the teacher. Listening to Jesus is what a Christian does. Listening to Jesus is what a disciple does. When Jesus speaks... The disciple listens. Just a few weeks ago, Wayne preached from Luke chapter 9 about the Mount of Transfiguration. Jesus takes Peter, James, and John up on the mountainside. There he is transfigured before them. And at the end of all of this, you hear God the Father make this statement. Luke chapter 9, verse 35. This is my Son, my chosen one. Listen to Him. You cannot be a disciple if you do not listen to Jesus. Secondly, a disciple learns from Jesus. It's one thing to listen. It's another thing to learn. Very different things. Uh, I I don't know if any of you all use this or not, uh, Amazon, you know, the, the, the world's largest retailer or whatever it is. They have that audible thing, you, you, you're familiar with that, where you can get the books that are read to you, you can download books. Well, I've discovered that through my phone I can play that in my car, and so as I'm going around, I can listen to books while I'm driving. Now, for a reader, this is a great thing. 
I can read even more books now. As I'm traveling from one place to another, I can listen to these books being read to me. But do you know what it's like to be easily distracted trying to listen to a book driving down the road? It's nearly impossible. I can listen to it, but that doesn't mean I'm learning anything from it. In fact, I can hear the, the, the reader of the book, the narrator, say, chapter and I'm like, whoa, wait a minute, what happened to two and three? Where did this go? Because I'm not learning what is being listened to. A disciple doesn't simply listen and then turn away as if the teacher's words have no impact. Listen to what Jesus says in Matthew 11, verse 29. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle, lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls. Listening to Jesus and learning from Jesus are the greatest desires of a disciple. But then let's go one step further. A disciple listens, a disciple learns, but thirdly, a disciple obeys. A disciple obeys. It's one thing to listen. It's another thing to learn. It's an altogether other thing to obey. Listen again. John 14, verse 21, Jesus says, Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. You see, for the disciple, obedience is not optional. We, friends, listen, we don't have a choice as to whether or not we're going to say, I'm going to obey this, but you know what, I really don't like that one, so I'm just going to put it aside. I'm not really going to obey that, because I don't like that one. We're not a disciple. We're not a disciple. Obedience is a hallmark characteristic of a disciple's life. We just read the Great Commission earlier. Let me remind you about it again. We read it earlier that, that Jesus left us. He left us this command to further understand what being a disciple is. A disciple obeys, so we need to be obeying the Great Commission that Jesus gave. Here it is again. Jesus said, all authority, all power in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and do what? Make disciples. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I've commanded you. Behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. After Jesus was raised from the dead, he was given universal authority over heaven and earth. And out of that authority, he commissions his disciples to go. Who are disciples? Christians. <laughs> Y'all are, yay! I love it. Teachers get excited when that happens, don't you? Yes! He commissions the disciples to go and make other disciples. Again, there's only one category of follower in the Great Commission. A disciple. See, some have taken the Great Commission here, and they have placed the emphasis on the going. And going is good. That's, that is part of the overall command. But the main verb in the Great Commission is not go. The main verb in the Great Commission is the imperative to make 
disciples. How do we make disciples? By going, by baptizing, by teaching. So we have a pattern of disciples making disciples. That's the goal. So let me just just give you three quick questions to sum up just the introduction here. Are you listening? Are you learning? Are you obeying? Because a disciple listens. A disciple learns. A disciple obeys. Are you a disciple? Now, that's really not a good question. Let me, let me redo this. It's not a good question to ask, are you a disciple? Because all of us are disciples. All of us are disciples. The question is, who are you following? That's the real question. In, in, in fact, all of us have disciples as well. All of us are disciples. The question really is, who are you following? And all of us have disciples as well. The question is, how are you influencing the people who are watching you? If everybody acted just like you, what would it look like? Because you see, we are all disciples and we all have disciples. So let me rephrase the question. The question is not, are you a disciple? Because the immediate answer to that question is yes. We're all following somebody. The question is better this, are you truly a disciple of Jesus? Are you truly a disciple of Jesus? Why would I use the word truly? Well, because Jesus uses the word. Look at John chapter 8, verse 31. This is, this is where we're going to sit for just a few minutes, okay? John chapter 8, verse 31. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. So I ask the question, are you truly a disciple of Jesus? Because Jesus uses the very same word. In in fact, there there are four words here that we have to get a grasp of to really understand what Jesus means here. Four words, very simply. First of all, truly. What does it mean to truly be Jesus' disciple? The second word is word. To what is Jesus referring when he uses this phrase, my word? So Jesus said to the Jews who believed in him, if you abide in my word, The third word, in. What in the world does it mean to be in that word? And fourthly, abide. What does it mean to abide there? Now I think if we can get an understanding of this, uh, of this verse, and, and to get an understanding of this verse, we've got to get an understanding of these words, and I think if we get an understanding of these words, we begin to understand a little bit more of what it means to be a disciple of Jesus, because that's the goal for us. We want to be disciples of Christ who are making disciples. So let's begin with the word truly. 
Jesus said to the Jews who believed in him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. Now, do you see the implication of this in what Jesus says? If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. What's the implication of this? There are some who are not truly his disciples. The, the word truly, it just means really. You are really my disciples. And so the implication of this is that there are some who are not really disciples. There are real disciples and there are unreal disciples. There are disciples who are disciples merely outwardly, but there are others who are disciples down to the root of who they are. There are real disciples and there are false disciples. Maybe we could use three categories. There are non-disciples, those who just don't follow Jesus at all. They make no pretension to following Jesus. There are unreal disciples, perhaps who even think they are disciples, but there is just a surface connection to Jesus. And then there are real disciples, people who are really his, people who really belong to him. Because see what you have happening in, in John chapter 8 is there is a great multitude of people who follow Jesus. And unlike us, Jesus doesn't assume that all belief is real. Verse 30, the, the verse right before this says that many believed in him. And Jesus comes along and he says, your faith is not saving faith. You believe in what I can do in the miracles. You believe in the provision of food. You believe in these kinds of things. But you do not believe in lordship. You do not believe in salvation through me and me alone. What is a true disciple? A true disciple is a true Christian, a true follower. That's why in John chapter 3 we read, Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. Do you see how in this verse belief and obedience are meshed together? Belief brings itself out in obedience. Why? Because we listen to the, to the Word, we learn from the Word, and we are obedient to the Word. That's what a disciple does. A true disciple has been saved from sin, rescued from the wrath of God. My fear today is that there are some in this place who are not truly disciples of Jesus. It's a cultural Christianity. It is a belief when things are good. It is an attachment with people of like-mindedness. But saving faith is away from you. Are you truly a disciple of Jesus? The second word. Word. Jesus said, if you abide in my word... To what is Jesus referring by this, by this phrase? If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. Notice he doesn't say words. 
Jesus doesn't say, if you abide in my words. He said, if you abide in my word. It is singular. It is singular because the sum total of all that he is taught is what he's referring to. The entirety of the word given to us. Let me just let you in on a little secret here. You can check my Bible afterwards if you'd like to. I don't buy red-letter Bibles. You don't? No. No, I don't buy red-letter Bibles. Because there is not a word in the Word of God that is more significant than another word in the Word of God. Jesus may have spoken those words, but what Paul writes to the Philippians is equally as inspired as what Jesus said himself recorded for us. And the totality of it points us right back to who Jesus is. That's why we're able to take John chapter 8, verse 31. If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. And we're able to combine that when you flip over to John chapter 15. And in John chapter 15, you find Jesus saying in in verse 4, verse 5, verse 6, and verse 7, if you abide in me. How can Jesus say that? Abide in my word and yet abide in me? Because he is the living word of God and the written word of God points in totality towards him. Every bit of it. Genesis all the way through to Malachi in the Old Testament it is a story about Jesus and the promised redeemer who is going to come and purchase salvation for us through his blood. It's all about Jesus. So the word, all of it, points to Jesus. You know Jesus through the word given to us. Jesus reveals himself to us in the word of God. The textbook for disciples is the precious word of God. If you abide in my word, You're truly my disciple. He uses that third word, in. If you abide in my word, you're truly my disciples. Now, I want to give you an illustration. And I always hesitate with illustrations because they all kind of break down at some point. So just just walk with me for just a minute, okay? Let's, Let's just walk through this together. Let me give you an illustration. Now, I'm a Star Wars fan. Okay? We can have the debate over whether Star Wars or Star Trek is better. That's why I'm Baptist, to give you the right to be wrong if you think Star Trek is better. Star Wars is obviously better. One of the things that has happened in those Star Wars movies is you'll, you'll find the, the spaceships coming close to an enemy spaceship. And there is... There's a tractor beam that shoots out and grabs hold of that ship and slowly pulls it into itself, right? You have this tractor beam in these spaceships that pull the other spaceship in, that bring it under its influence, under its persuasion of this other ship. That's kind of what it's like 
to be in the Word. You are brought into the persuasion of the Word of God. You are pulled into it. You live in that truth. There's an attraction to it that pulls you into it. A disciple of Jesus is attracted to the Word of God. A disciple of Jesus is pulled into the Word of God. A disciple of Jesus is drawn to the Word of God drawn to the attraction of it, the treasure of it, the peacefulness of it, the nourishment from it, the refreshment within it. A disciple of Jesus is drawn to the Word of God and is brought under its influence, under its persuasion. See, We're not going to be disciples of Jesus if we don't love the Word of God. If we don't make ourselves those who are in the Word of God, under its persuasion, under its authority, under its teaching. But Jesus takes it even a step further with this fourth word. He uses the word abide. Not just in the Word, but abide. In the word. What does it mean to abide? Abide means to remain, doesn't it? If you abide somewhere, you stay there. You remain there. So Jesus says that, that we are to abide in his word. Now that doesn't mean that you don't set the Bible down so you can go to school or go to work or something of that nature. That's not what we're talking about. If we are in the Word, we are under the persuasion, under the influence, under the authority of the Word. If we abide in the Word, that means that we stay within the tractor beam of the Word of God pulling us to itself. That we do not cease to be persuaded by its truth. That we don't elevate another truth above it. That's why you hear the constant mantra is, what does the Word of God say? We have no right to deviate from that or to place another authority over that. As a disciple, we abide in the Word. Now let me ask you a question. As you look at John chapter 8, verse 31, remembering that a disciple listens, a disciple learns, a disciple obeys. When you look at John chapter 8, verse 31, are you able to say that you are truly a disciple of Jesus? Are you truly a disciple of Jesus. But Jesus using the word truly, it obviously means that there are some who aren't, perhaps even some who think they are. Are you truly a disciple of Jesus? Understand what I mean by that question. Because a disciple 
is a Christian. What I'm asking in, in perhaps language we can understand better, are you truly a Christian? By what Jesus says to us in John 8, 31, do you have the confidence to stand today and say, yes, I am truly a disciple of Jesus Christ? Father, this morning, you bring us again, as always, to these crossroads within our lives. We've had faulty notions and misunderstandings of what it means to be a disciple. And by that, we've had faulty notions and misunderstandings of what it means to be a Christian. And so, Father, my prayer is for all of us today that we would, that we would really look within our own hearts today. And that we would do business with your Spirit speaking to us, either to confirm or to contest what we may believe about ourselves and our relationship with Jesus. My prayer today, Father, is that there wouldn't be a soul who leaves from here without being certain that they are truly a disciple. And so, Father, I pray now where human words completely fail, would you, through the power of your word, the power of your spirit, speak now to hearts and lives that we would each and all be certain that we are disciples of Christ. As we listen, as we learn, and as we obey, we ask it now in his name. Amen. I invite you to stand this morning as we stand together and we sing together if the Lord is leading you to some sort of question, of decision. Maybe you want to know more about what it means to be a follower of Christ. Maybe you want to know more about what it means to be a member of His church. We would love to begin that conversation with you. As we sing this morning, if you want to just come meet me here and say, here's, here's my question, here's my concern, we would love to begin that conversation with you. So if you need to come, you come this morning.